Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your family, your household are doing well in God's blessings. We are talking about the subject of the power of the blood of Jesus, and I'm going to continue with that today. Um, and point number 16 is the blood of Jesus sanctifies and separates us. The blood of Jesus sanctifies us and separates us. So I'm going to read to you, start by reading to you from Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 12. It says, therefore also, therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his blood, suffered outside the gate. So it says that Jesus, he suffered outside the gate, means outside the gates of Jerusalem, because Mount Calvary was outside Jerusalem at that time. So he suffered outside the gate, and the reason he suffered was uh, he was crucified there outside the city, was that he might sanctify the people with his blood. So Jesus, when he died upon the cross, he died not only to save us and wash us clean from our sins by his blood, but he also died to sanctify us with his blood. And to sanctify actually means to separate to separate, to separate unto God. That's what the word sanctification actually means, uh, is to separate us unto God. And of course, when a person is separated, separated unto God, uh, there are results of that separation. And one is, you know, um, the person separates himself from the world, from the spirit of worldliness. Then there's a separation from sin. Uh, you know, separation from worldliness, separating from sin. And the whole purpose of this separation is not just to separate yourself from something, but it's also to separate yourself from these things so that you can be separated unto God. So the whole purpose of sanctification is that we get separated from sin, separated from the world so that we can serve God because we can't serve God and also have a worldly spirit because these days uh, in modern day Christianity, unfortunately, is quite accepted that you can be very, very worldly. In fact, uh, people, Christians are allowed to be so worldly that it would take a bumper sticker on their car to tell people that, you know, this person is a Christian. There's often, I'm not saying everybody's like that, but often, you know, just the way people conduct themselves, the way uh, people live their lives. Uh, you can't tell people are Christians. In many cases, you, you, somebody has to tell you, oh, these people are Christians. Otherwise, there's no, uh, there's no living evidence that any obvious, let's put it this way, any obvious evidence that you see a person and you see this person is different. He must be a Christian. But that's what it should be. You see, when we are in Christ, we, we should be separate. It should be a consequence of our being in Christ that we are separated from the world and separated from, uh, from the worldliness, the spirit of worldliness, and we are separated unto God. And I mean, it should be a natural consequence because you see, when we get saved, uh, when I received Jesus in 1975, I decided wholeheartedly to follow Jesus. In fact, um, because I was born a Muslim and there was this thing going on I, and I was told, uh, I, they said to me, you know, you can be a secret believer. And I said, what's that? That's a well, because there's persecution in Muslim countries, you can, uh, 
you can act like you are a Muslim. Use the Muslim jingo, use the Muslim language and uh, act like a Muslim. Uh, and you can go to the mosque and actually be praying to Jesus and act like a Muslim so that nobody can tell what's in your heart. But in your heart, you can be a secret believer in Jesus. And you, <coughs> I'm sorry, and you can go to secret uh, meeting services for uh, other people like you from Muslim background. And soon this thing even developed even farther and they call it uh, Christianity that was, that was, they call it contextualized. That means that, uh, you know, the word Islam actually means uh, uh, submission to Allah, submission to God. That's what it means. So a Muslim, literally, the word Muslim means one who is submitted to Allah or one who is submitted to God because Allah is the uh, Arabic word for God. In fact, uh, it's nothing to do with my subject, but let me explain this to you, the meaning of the word Allah. Now, the word Allah uh, actually is the generic Arabic word for deity. It's the generic Arab Arabic word for deity. Like in English, we have the word God. We have the word God and we have the word Dieu in, in French. It's a generic word meaning deity or God. So Allah means that, but... Muslims also use the word Allah as the name of God, as the name of their deity. So the word Allah is used by Muslims in two ways. They mean God, as we use the word G-O-D, God, but it's also the name of their uh, God, like our God, his name is Jehovah or Yahweh. You know, we said that's his name. God is not his name. His name is Yahweh, but God is the word we use in the Bible to denote deity. So if you understand what I mean, so Muslims have have the word Allah, it has a dual purpose meaning. One purpose is the generic word for deity. And the second word is the is the is the word is the name of their God. So Christians in the Middle East and uh, and, and, and and Indonesia and, um, uh, and and Malaysia, you know, in the Malay and the Bahasa languages and in, and in the Arabic languages, they 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 use the word Allah. But when Arab Christians use the word Allah, they don't mean Allah as the name of the deity. They would use the word Allah in the same way we in English would use the word God. But of course, uh, when they mean the name of God, then uh, they they would use the word Yehovah, uh, you know, uh, to denote. So many Americans get confused. Why do Arab Christians pray to Allah? Well, when they do, they use the word they use the word Allah meaning God. But when Muslims use the word Allah, it could mean either one of the two: the generic word for God and also the name of their God. I hope you this clarifies for you why the name Allah is used by Christians. But now, but my point is that the word Allah. Uh, uh, you know, and then you have the word Islam. Uh, Islam is the Arabic word which means uh, submission to the will of God, submission to the will of Allah. And a Muslim, when someone says I'm a Muslim, uh, it actually, what it actually means literally that I'm submitted to the will of God. So that's what it means. So, uh, but, and, but of course it, it means one who follows the religion of Islam, but lit, its literal meaning is so. Uh, they told me that when you're a secret believer, you know, you, you can tell people, I'm a Muslim. So they think you mean you're a Muslim as you and I mean Muslim, but you mean I'm submitted to the will of God. So 
So we are the true Muslims because we are submitted to, you know, the will of God. So I, I thought that was kind of deceptive. It didn't sound right, but that's what I was told. I was a new believer. That's how you were a secret believer. But then one day reading the Bible, I saw the scripture where it says, where Jesus makes it very plain. He says, if, he says, if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge, I will acknowledge you before my father. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father, which is in heaven. So that settled the issue for me. I couldn't pretend to be a Muslim and actually be a Christian in my heart because if someone asked me, do you believe in Jesus? And I said, no, I mean, I, I was denying Jesus and I couldn't do that. If you understand where I'm coming from. So, um, you know, so the word to sanctify means a separation, a separation from the past life, the old life. For me, that would mean a separation from the religion of Islam that I had been brought up in. Uh, so if I'm to follow Jesus, I have to separate myself from the religion of Islam. If I want to follow Jesus, I have to separate myself from sin. If I have to follow Jesus, I'm, I have to separate myself from the spirit of worldliness, the worldly spirit. And, and, and so all these things, but, but it's not just the process of separating yourself but it's separating yourself from these things and separating yourself unto God. That what it's, that's what it means to be sanctified. To be sanctified means to be separating yourself unto God so that you, you dedicate your life to the service of the Lord alone. <coughs> so that's what it means, sanctified. So Jesus shed his blood. He shed his blood upon the cross so that he might sanctify us, sanctify you and me with his blood. So with his blood, he not only washed away our sins, but with his blood, he also separated us from the world unto the Father, so that we, we can be vessels for the glory of the Father to be used by God. And that process in which we separate ourselves and let God have his way his will in our lives that is called consecration sanctification is a result of the blood of jesus sanctifying us but it happens when we do this thing called consecration consecration means that when we recognize what jesus has done for us upon the cross and as a result we separate ourselves unto the father and uh, that is called consecration so it says jesus suffered outside the gate that he might sanctify us with his own blood. And then Hebrews 12, 24, it says, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So it says, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. And this really, this part about mediator being part of the new covenant that is uh, uh, it has nothing to do with my subject, but since it is in the verse, I will explain to you. The mediator of the new covenant means that Jesus is the guarantor of the new covenant. You see, when someone, a new covenant, the word covenant also means the word testament or a will. So what happens when a person dies, he leaves a will behind. And uh, then all the, all the family are called into the lawyer and, uh, you know, uh, who has the will and the will is read. Then there's a person called the executor of the will. And that person, his job is to make sure that everybody who's mentioned in the will gets his share. 
So that's what it means, the guarantor, that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. That means Jesus has been appointed by the Father to be the mediator or the guarantor of the new covenant, which means <coughs> that, you see, a will is valid only when the person has died. You know, if you have a rich relative and your name is on his will, and but that will comes into force only when that person has died. And here's the thing. Jesus Christ, he died. And when he died, his will became valid because of his death. But then he rose again from the dead and became the guarantor of the new covenant, the guarantor or the mediator of the will that to, that to make sure that you and I get our share of the will. Hallelujah. That's what it means that Jesus, he died and not only did he die and at his death, the, 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 the will became valid, but then he rose from the dead just to make sure that you and I get our share. We get what is written in the will. That means that everything that is in the will, every blood bought blessing that is yours, salvation and healing and deliverance and victory and peace and all these wonderful things that Jesus has purchased for us with his blood, Jesus has risen from the dead to make sure that you actually get your share, that you actually get that which God has promised in his word. So Jesus is the guarantor of the new covenant. And then it says, and to the blood of sprinkling, the blood of sprinkling. Now, this is interesting. It says that the blood of Jesus is the blood of sprinkling. Now, if you read the Old Testament, you will see that all the vessels in the temple, you know, in the temple, there were vessels that were brought in by the people and handed to the priests. And these vessels were um, intended for use in the Lord's service alone. So what the priest would do, the priest would dip his fingers in the sacrificial blood and he would sprinkle those vessels with the blood. Now, when a vessel was sprinkled with blood, it meant this. It meant firstly that that vessel was cleansed because the blood cleansed the vessel. The blood cleansed the vessel. The second thing that that sprinkling of blood did, that that blood sanctified the vessel. That means that that blood separated that vessel from other vessels, which means that from now on, this vessel is intended and shall be used for the Lord's service alone. It shall not be used for anything else. That means nobody can borrow a vessel from the temple and fill it with water because he needs some water at home. No one can borrow one of the temple vessels and take it home to cook his dinner in it or just to carry stuff in it. No, those vessels in the temple, the moment they were sprinkled by blood, they were intended to be used in the service of the Lord in the temple alone. So that is what the blood of sprinkling means. So Jesus Christ has sprinkled you and me with his precious blood. So he shed his blood to sanctify us. So when Jesus died upon the cross, not only did he shed his blood to cleanse us from our sins, but his blood, it is also the blood of sprinkling. So the shed blood upon the cross, upon the cross is the blood of sprinkling for you and me. So when we are sprinkled by the blood of Jesus, 
That means that we are cleansed. Hallelujah. And when we are cleansed, and then the second thing that sprinkling means that we are separated by God unto his service alone. Praise the Lord. So, you know, I know when I got saved, um, uh, Jesus Christ washed me in his blood. And then three days later, he called me to, to his service. Now, my <coughs> I understand my situation is unique because this happens. It doesn't happen very often that on my third day after I got saved, I actually heard an audible voice calling me to serve him. And the Lord said to me, I heard this voice actually it spoke in English. I was on the streets back there and it, the word, the words were in English because English was the first language I use at home because my mom spoke Bengali, you know, and my, you know, and that kind of thing. We spoke different languages at home. So most of my studies and everything, most of my communication with my dad was in English. And so the, the, these were the exact words in English. I was handing out tracts on the streets, uh, on the street and telling people about what Jesus had done for me. And I heard these words and, the, and, and this is what the voice said. He says, this is what you will do the rest of your life. I will take you all around the world and you will tell people about Jesus. And I remember when I heard that voice, first I was very scared because I'd never heard a voice like that before. But then I understood that I had a deep assurance that came with it. And I knew it was, it was the voice of God and God was calling me. So what I did was that, was that I... I realized that God, you know, no, I didn't know. I didn't have much teaching on these things, but I just knew that God was calling me to his service. So what I did, I dedicated myself. I said, Lord, you have spoken to me and I'm going to, um, I'm going to follow you. And then I saw the scriptures, which says, if any man will come after me, this is what Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow after me. Then there was another scripture which says, whosoever forsaketh not all that he has and followeth me not cannot be my disciple. So there were other scriptures like this that made it very clear for me that what Jesus was calling me to was to leave everything and to follow everything, uh, to leave everything, to forsake everything and to take up my cross, which meant being, which meant being ready to die and to lay down my life for the sake of the gospel and to follow him. And that was, you know, it was a drastic change for me because I was, uh, uh, you know, I was, I was a military guy. I had a, uh, you know, I mean, I had a whatever. And, but I, I mean, I, 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 I just left everything. I was, I had plans. Um, I mean, I was really unhappy. I was suicidal, but but, you know, there were certain things I wanted to do. I had some plans, but, uh, but Jesus came and interrupted everything and uh, he interrupted everything. So I, I decided uh, that I'm going to uh, dedicate my life, separate my life, and I'm going to do what the Bible says. Because uh, the audible voice says, I sh he shall take me all around the world. I will tell people about Jesus. But, but then what the Bible says was that I should forsake everything and follow him and leave everything and take up my cross and be willing to die and to follow him. So that when, when I saw that, that was God's will and purpose for my life. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. So I said, Lord, this is your plan for my life. So I'm going to do this. And that is called consecration. 
And consecration is when I decide that I'm going to do what God wants me to do and I'm going to follow him. And then, uh, then came the sanctification because that's when the blood of Jesus touches us and he cleanses us and he separates us for the ministry. But then come all those things, you know, once you begin to follow Jesus, all those temptations come. You know, there's all kinds of, we, look, we are human beings. If you're, even if you're in the ministry, you're beset with temptations. And, and then two things happen. One, you say you say no to temptations. And when I say temptations, I mean, you know, your mind plays tricks on you. Satan says things to you uh, or, 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 or you get tempted to do things that are wrong. You get tempted to disobey. It can be big things. It can be little things. It can be terrible things. It can be things that are, you may call small sins, you know, whole spectrum of things, because that is what life is like. So you do two things. You do one of two things. Either you say no to temptation and the other uh, thing is the other alternative is that you fall to temptation and you sin and when you sin the first thing you do because you're sanctified because of God's hand on your life because of your calling you stop and immediately say father I'm sorry I messed up forgive me and I apply the blood of Jesus over my life cleanse me with your blood and you get up and walk on because the Bible says that the righteous man even, even if he stumbles seven times the Lord will still lift him up hallelujah so uh, just listen, even if you tempt, even if you're tempted and you still stumble, you're still righteous. The Bible doesn't say you, you lose your righteousness because you stumble seven times. You can stumble seven times. You're still righteous because your righteousness doesn't depend upon what you have done. Your righteousness depends upon the blood of Jesus alone. So you are righteous, but you stumble. And when the righteous stumbles, what the Lord does, the Lord will pick you up. And you go on through life and you learn in life and, and you get many, many opportunities to consecrate yourself, to separate yourself unto the Lord. And you learn and you grow and things change in your life. And so that is what it is like to serve God. But all through the process, the blood of Jesus always speaks our name and the blood of Jesus cleanses us and sacrifices us and gives us strength so we can we can go on and keep on serving God. Hallelujah. But the whole attitude, uh, our attitude should be that I'm consecrated to the Lord. I am serving the Lord and, and we should stay away from worldliness. Listen, the spirit of the world, it seems very attractive, but it is it is devastating for your spiritual life because if you if you walk in the spirit of the world if you have a worldly spirit and you try to serve God with that worldly spirit you know what you you will never never be truly happy there will always be something nagging you on the inside nagging you on the inside that will speak to you and that is why I don't like this idea of you know uh, anyway, I don't, I don't want to go into that, but let me, let me show you another scripture. Second Corinthians chapter six, verses 17 to 18. It says, this is what the Lord says. This is what he says. wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you. Now, many people would say this is legalistic. This is not legalistic. This is the word of God. It's and it's in the New Testament. This is not Old Testament. It says, wherefore, come out from among them. That means if you were in the world and you got saved, you come out from among them. Come out from the ungodly. Come out from the sinful from some sinful people. Because you see, we have to learn 
what it is to be in this world but not of this world. Many people are confused. They think that because we are in this world, well, I'm just being this way because I'm in this world. No, you are being worldly. You got to find out what it actually means to be in this world and yet be not yet not be of this world because if you're in this world but you're not of this world then you have power you have a voice and God can use you in the world and God can use you to bring people to him but if God doesn't use you to bring people to him but you are just there right along with the sinners and you are blended in with them and nobody knows which leg you stand on then you are not only in this world but you are also of this world and this is what the Lord says wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate says the Lord and then so he says you come out from among them right that's the first thing this is what the Lord says come out from among them and the second thing he says be ye separate we have to separate ourselves and this is this is called the doctrine of separation separation means you separate yourself from the world separate yourself from the passions and the things of this world and do not touch the unclean thing the things in the world that are unclean don't touch those things then i will receive you then i will receive you so if you want jesus to receive us these are the three things we have to do come out from among them that's number one number two be separate and number three don't touch the unclean things and then he says then i will receive you and then he says and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters says the lord almighty listen just saying a sinner's prayer does not make you a son or a daughter of god it does not don't deceive yourself into saying that just because you say well i'm a christian or i prayed the sin that doesn't make you a son or daughter of god here it says come out from among them be separate don't touch the unclean thing then i will receive you and then he says and then i will be your father and you shall be my sons and my daughters says the lord almighty that is sanctification so what happens jesus died on the cross shed his blood not only to cleanse us but also to sanctify us and then we come to the blood of sprinkling and that is always available to us we always apply the blood upon our lives jesus cover me with your blood jesus i receive your blood so we receive the blood of sprinkling by faith and the blood of sprinkling is always cleansing us always separating us unto god if we ever stumble it raises us up and we follow god and in our walk with him this is what we do we come out from among them and we separate ourselves and we do not touch the unclean things do not touch the unclean things of this world and then the lord says then i'm going to receive you and then i will be your father and you shall be my sons and my daughters says the lord almighty now listen if you want to experience the power of the kingdom there is a powerless christianity there is a powerless christianity a powerless christianity is a worldly christianity with no sanctification with no consecration but this is the kind of christianity we are called to the blood sanctifies us and when it sanctifies us it cleanses us 
and it separates us unto God's use alone. So we understand that God has called me to serve him alone and be used exclusively for his purposes alone. And you can be a lay person and make this decision. Lord, I want my life to be for you alone. And I receive your blood upon my life. And you do that. And you're sanctified. You're separated. And then you separate yourself from the world. And don't touch the unclean thing. Come out from among them. And that's when you are a son or a daughter. And that's where you experience kingdom power, kingdom miracles, kingdom blessings. Hallelujah. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I ask you for your life, for your blessings upon them. Touch them, use them mightily for your glory. We bless your holy name. Father, if there be any sickness or disease in the house, I curse those evil things. I speak life and health in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. I'll be seeing you again tomorrow.